Welcome everybody to M Class Email. I'm Jeff. I'm Josh. <laughs> oh God, what an intro! I had a hot dog. Oh man, I wish. I'm hungry. It had onions and ketchup and mustard. That's a good dog. And uh, cheese. We uh, we read your emails on this program, believe it or not, and we give you uh, satisfying answers to your queries. One hundred percent satisfying. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Or your money back, and no le- refunds. Unless you're a patron. <laughs> <laughs> you asked for this. Um, let's let's hop right into it. Our first email of the evening is from uh, Sam Lindstrom. Hi. Who is a cool artist that you can find on Twitter, at Sam Lindstrom, I believe. Yeah. It's entitled, Looks Like We Got a Couple of Wise Guys Here. I hope he's not talking about us. Oh, no. Hello, Jeff and Josh. Hello. Sup? <laughs> I just caught back up with the podcast and especially enjoyed your Mark Twain impressions from the Times Arrow episode. Oh, boy. Lady Guinan, indeed. <laughs> and hey, Mark Twain was a humorist, so I've got a question about comedy. Oh, boy. No. <laughs> Coming to the wrong guys for that one. <laughs> Don't you want to ask funny people about comedy? <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with the benign violation theory, but it is a modern attempt to explain the phenomenon of humor. I'm not either. Basically, it says that comedy occurs when a stimulus is perceived as both a violation of one's expectations or sense of decency, while it is simultaneously perceived as not being harmful or dangerous. So, benign. Got it. This feeling of being uprooted while still safe causes us to laugh and presents an absurd sensation of sublime delight. I try not to think about what makes something funny too much. Yeah, it's uh, but I, when it when you uh, what's it called when when you dissect a joke, uh, yeah, you you might learn what the joke what makes the joke funny. Sorry about all the noise. My cat is climbing into a box. That's cool. We like cats here. I got a cat licking his butt right next to me. <laughs> she decided to wait until I was recording to do that, because cats do that sort of thing. Welcome to cats. They're this, the best pets. This is the first time I've ever recorded with one of the cats anywhere near me, and they're both out around me right now. It's because you're talking to this piece of metal, and they're like, are you talking to me? Yeah, pretty much. I'm uh, I'm in my living room, so if my audio sounds weird, uh, blame no, it on my internet good. connection. Fuck it. It sounds good, but the other room wasn't hacking it, maybe? We don't know. We have no idea. Yeah, we Here's an email no for idea. the audience. If you have lag issues on Discord and rubber banding, what the fuck is causing that? Yeah, it's also on Skype, and it's literally only between us. We can talk to anyone else in the world, yes. and it's fine. But as soon as we, we try to, to talk to yeah. each other, it fucks up. It's fucked up. I don't understand that. Is one of you doing this? Is it a gremlin? (laughs) Is there a gremlin on the wing? Uh, The implication of this theory is that humor is tethered to our beliefs and values. What is something we're currently. what What is something we're comfortable making fun of, and what is something so entrenched in our identity that to see it violated is a shock to the system? And so, as culture evolves and changes, so too does our collective sense of humor. Pick up a joke book from the 20s, and it's like an alien is trying to verbally assault you. (laughs) (laughs) 22 skidoo! So theoretically, in the far-flung future of Star Trek, humor should have a completely different frame of reference. The characters will joke around with each other in a familiar way since they they weren't written by time travelers or future ghosts or whatever... What do you think a comedy club would really look like in the 23rd century? What would be a taboo subject or one so removed from the zeitgeist that it wouldn't even make sense? What kind of jokes would survive the generational journey? I don't think you'd see a lot of gallows humor or murder humor. No. Because that doesn't exist anymore. Apparently, according to TNG, it's going to be a lot of Joe Piscopo. Like, people are going (laughs) to really love Joe Piscopo. I can honestly say that uh, that's as benign as it gets. <laughs> Joe Piscopo, huh? The uh, right. the thing about future humor is like there's no way we can know, right? There's no way. Yeah, we don't. I don't even fully know why things are funny in the moment half the yeah. time. Like like that theory makes sense, and I'm not I'm not discounting it or anything like that. But 
I, I, who knows, right? Like, there's, it's so, com- like, humanity, our brains are so complicated. Like, who really knows? Like, I'm thinking it, back, we talk about generational humor and, like, if you pick up a joke book from the 20s or whatever, but, like, the 30s and 40s, like, if you go back and watch, or at least when I go back and watch, like, movies. a Marx Brothers movie... Yeah, I works. fucking lose my shit laughing at that. It's so yeah. good. So I think some things are funny regardless of regardless. when they're made. Yeah, there's there's jokes in 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 films where you're like, oh, that that joke might be a little more dry, but it's also a m- little more sophisticated and it still works. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're like that joke still plays. Like that, I know what they're doing. That works. Uh, so I don't I, know. I think there's still there's still going to be like a through line of what's comedy. Like absurdism is always going to be funny. Farts always funny. Farts. <laughs> Farts are always funny. I'm sorry, they are. Um, especially in the more like stolid a situation you're in, the more like uptight a situation is, and someone farts, the funnier it is. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so funny. Um. So I think the like that type of like there's gonna be certain jokes, certain movies, certain like styles of comedy that are gonna last. Last, I agree. Like, it's hard to know like what that line is. It's it's always hard. That's that's the art of comedy, yeah. right? Is like, am I going too far? Am I not going far Cause, enough? Because I mean, there's there are comedians that you watch who like killed in the '80s and the yeah. early '90s, and you watch them and you're like, none of this is funny. Why yeah, did everyone love anymore. this person? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's, there's definitely like as a comedian, you have to grow and change along with the times. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I was, I tweeted about this. I was somewhat disappointed. I watched a special that was honoring Dave Chappelle. I yeah. love Dave Chappelle. He's, yeah. Like, uh, he was a comedy hero of mine. If I'm can be considered anything related to comedy, he was, he was up there. Um. His special is still funny. There's still things in it that are funny, but like he he does this thing that I absolutely hate called the Netflix commercial moment, where (laughs) he pauses his comedy, no matter how benign or how like pushing the envelope it is, and goes on a five minute rant about how PC culture is ruining comedy and he should be able to say gay slurs. The it's like the Joker thing. There's no joke in it. Is the thing either. It's just angrily ranting about like crowds who don't like him saying slurs at them right and then he goes back to the comedy which is now to me the most hacky thing you can possibly do as a comedian is grind your show to a halt and do that don't do that yeah don't do that if you want to like push the envelope if you want to say those slurs and everything go right ahead you're gonna face the consequences if the audience doesn't like it that's stand up Make it. So here's the thing, though. Like, if you're gonna do that, make it like like more benign, like that theory. Like, yeah. make it so it's funny, right? Like, make yeah, exactly. it so you like. I'm not saying like I can do that or I would try, but like, no. d- there's a way to do it, probably. Probably. And d- if anyone could do it, it probably could be Dave Chappelle. You he's, gotta have a good incredibly a- smart about it. with this comedy. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's frustrating to see him like. Yeah. In well, the, he's super rich, right? Yeah. He's super rich, so he's, you know, like I'm nobody, and he's Dave Chappelle, and there's definitely that to be said. But like, being I don't a stand-up know Dave Chappelle, <laughs> I know you. <laughs> being a stand-up comedian means you get to do whatever you want up on stage. No one's going to stop you. You get to right. do whatever you want, but you do have to face the consequences of that. Right. If you're angry, I think people feel that instead of coming at it from a like different perspective uh like a lighter perspective maybe it would it would work maybe i don't know i'm not like trying to write his comedy for him i don't fucking know i I mean there's like it's not comedy isn't dead i mean like uh, no you if you want to see somebody right now who's like fucking skyrocketing who doesn't shy away from comedy that might push some buttons but you wouldn't even think of him this way is john mulaney he seems completely harmless yeah. But he does jokes that, like, if you did them in an angry way and not in a silly way, people would right. be real upset. And right. he's, he's getting huge, bigger and bigger every year. Like, comedy is still available. <laughs> it's still... I think I think you, you're onto something. I think you're right. I think coming at that from an angry... Anything from an angry point of view, like, that kind of comedy 
kind of doesn't work anymore. Like that Sam Kinison. I mean, it depends on you know, what you're coming at is the thing. Because right, I've seen a lot right. of comedy where it's like, it's the whole punching up, punching down thing, right? Right, right, like, right. Is, like Dave Chappelle's a millionaire and he's up on stage right. like making fun of transgender people. He's punching down yeah. hard. Like yeah. John Mulaney is punching up. Like, uh, Hannibal Burris never punches down. He always punches up. And that's why no one has one negative thing to say about him. Right. And yeah, it's, uh, it really, like, you can be the angry comedian, but like the Sam Kennison never punched down. Right. Like George Carlin didn't punch down. Never punched down. Yeah. He even, there's that quote from him about punching up and punching down. Yeah. The difference between comedy and just being a dickhead. Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with what he was asking about. Let's say we satisfactorily dodged the question. (laughs) No, I I, I mean, I think think that he's on to something, and I, I mean, that theory sounds right to me like yeah. that's not it makes sense i think that things are it's not just that or you know nothing is just one thing no absolutely not so yeah but Every, that, everything that is multitudes right yeah um my point with the whole dave Chappelle thing i think i didn't get to it was that uh he talks about how like audiences can't handle his humor or whatever but like he wasn't up on stage doing the same type of humor they were doing like 20 years earlier when he right. started like, people would have booed him off the stage for, like, getting up there talking about all that horse shit they used to talk about, you know? Yeah, yeah. You have to change with the times, and I think hun- hundreds of years is a hell of a lot of time for comedy to change, so I don't know. I have no idea what it'll be Let's like. Let's go then. back to jesters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the difference between jesters and comedy now, you know? Yeah, right? Like, juggling's not funny. No. It's, it's juggling stupid. <laughs> juggling is impressive for about a second, and then you're you know done what's with funny? It. Holding things in your hand one at a time. <laughs> there was this great act. Like um, Crystal, my wife likes to watch the auditions for America's Got Talent. She completely yeah. loses interest after those, which yeah. I understand. And there was this act that were these two guys who came out and they acted super mysterious. Like they were going to do this amazing magic trick. I love this already. And they literally did the same stuff that like toddlers do to do magic. That's fucking funny. And, but they did it with all these grandiose flourishes and yeah, acting all yeah. mysterious. It was hilarious. That's great. I think Doogie, Doogie Horner went on there and he was bombing. And then he just flipped a switch and he started talking about like birds like eagles fucking each other and it <laughs> killed it killed if you can find it look up like doogie horner america's got talent it, it's so funny i had to look that up like he's hilarious there, i i've met some, him there's definitely some comedians who go on there and they like bomb out for the first two minutes yeah. and then they turn the crowd around to their side yeah. after a minute yeah. or two it's very like Night at the Apollo, right? It's yeah. like the canes coming out, but they're like, no, 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 <laughs> no, wait, I got a good joke, I promise. <laughs> I got, I got the good stuff, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like to imagine that people still laugh at poo-poo and pee-pee jokes, but maybe that's just wishful thinking. Anyway, nah, farts and butts, always funny. Always. Anyway, good luck on your journeys across time and space. Signed, Sam the Sheepdog Lindstrom, <laughs> uh, Chief Ralph Wrangler. On the USS. Isn't that just Wiley Coyote with a red nose? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the... Yeah. Dude, I that's, love those cartoons. Yeah. It's not Wiley. It's Ralph, right? Yeah, Ralph Wolf is his name. Even he's, though he's different. He is definitely Wiley Coyote with a red nose. Totally different. Our next email has arrived right after we finished recording last time like hot I, off the presses like i think it arrived maybe an hour after we finished recording last time so uh this one is from phantom thief goofus and it Love is that goofus <laughs> it's entitled i watched masks with fedco like five times fucking kill that's me. right we we talked about this last time didn't we mm-hmm. why are they doing this to themselves what are they doing i don't know you have to have atonement for the trek i guess i don't know <laughs> It's self-flagellation of watching Star Trek. Ahoy, Trek boys. Trek boys! We haven't done that in forever. Damn, son. (laughs) Where'd you get that butt? Um, (laughs) Trapaholics. It's me, Phantom Thief Goofus, your good old pal FTG. 
I'm, I think Kevin gave the nickname FTG, even though it's Phantom PH. Yeah, PH. Yeah, Phantom with a PH. Yeah. I'm writing this on star date July 1st, 2020, but like a space version of that. Cool. So, like, just like July 1st, because <laughs> Earth is in space, so that counts. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, <laughs> ACAB and Happy Gay Wrath Month. Hell yeah. I want all the corporation that just changed their logos to Rainbow in June and did shit else to know that Cool Crimes Inc. sees you and we will be in contact with you. Adobe. I'm looking at you, Adobe. It's threatening. Fucking IBM changed it to a, a rainbow. Yeah. And I was like, really, IBM? Yeah, IBM. You, real. really? They love the gay rights. Yeah, IBM. Anyways, I got a peyote. I'm ready. <laughs> it is entitled Uncle Vampire. Alright, this is a this is a pitch it. <laughs> Everyone has a wacky and embarrassing uncle, but is your uncle a vampire? <laughs> like Cassie from the monsters. Cassie, Uncle Vampire's niece, and Uncle Vampire accidentally booked three dates at the same time? <laughs> they help each other out with impressing their dates with walkie talkies, but things take a turn for the wacky when they accidentally start picking up interference from a nearby Taco Bell. Ah, oh, sweet. They thought they ordered the burgers and fries, but what they really got was <laughs> hilarity <laughs> with a side order of hijinks with extra goofs on the side. <laughs> Uh, this doesn't seem to have anything to do with Star Trek. <laughs> and yet, I'm still in. I'm going to pitch it. Uh, also, Cassie is a trans lesbian. Is that pandering? The answer is I don't give a shit fuck. The straights <laughs> still need to make up for Ace Ventura. That movie does take a turn, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, when he's disgusted at, at it. There's, yeah. a, there's a great moment in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine where uh, a guy at a video store when he's undercover uh, suggests Ace Ventura for him. And he's like, oh yeah, Ace Ventura. It's a great movie and it only gets wildly transphobic in the last half hour. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and the guy and behind like, the counter is like, uh, okay. <laughs> what's her name? The actor, the, uh, it's Sean something. Young? Sean Young, like incredibly beautiful yeah. like sean young in the 80s and 90s oh my god like if that's what if if sean young had a dick in that scene i'm kissing sean young even better i, I don't care uh, yeah that movie takes a turn it really does <laughs> it's uh, like a twist at the like again it's punching down it's a twist yes. that punches down Yes. Uh, I mean, there's uh, the whole idea of punching down is ha ha ha. At least I'm not this loser. Right, and right? that's that's something I think. Not to go back again on this, but like yeah. that's something I think our generation hates. Yeah, we we don't like that shit because we're fucked because we're the fucked generation. Yeah, we don't like that. Sh it's everybody is learning empathy for people in different circumstances than themselves. Yeah, in like harsher circumstances because our whole generation is pretty much in shitty circumstances at this point. Right. It's hard not to have empathy for people when you can see yourself in them. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, signed Phantom Thief Goofus, Captain and Founder of Cool Crimes Inc. Ghost Emoji. P.S. Just because I got a real ass 9 to 5 now doesn't mean that I've gone straight in either sense of the word. <laughs> uh, I will pitch that. Uncle Vampire sounds like a show I could really sink my teeth into. What? <laughs> uh, thank you for that email, Phantom Thief Goofus. Sounds good. Thanks. <laughs> uh, our next email is from David Chartable. <laughs> I wanted to point this out on the podcast since I already tweeted about it. We got an email from an organization called Chartable, which is yeah. Podcast Analytics, who told us, get this, congratulations, yeah. M-Class Podcast is now ranked number 232 on Apple Podcast TV and Film Chart. In New Zealand. Guys, we did it. We, we couldn't do it without it. you. We fucking did it. I can't believe it took us three years to get to 332 in New Zealand. We are the champions. champions. No time for losers. You hear that number 233? Suck my dick. Punch, talk about punching down. Yeah. Fuck you, 233. Punching right down the numbers. <laughs> 
<laughs> Our next email is from Brownie, and it is delicious. Entitled Star Trek Groups. Okay. Good day, Trek mates. Hello. Michael here. The Archangel? I have recently tried joining a few Star Trek groups on Facebook, but have found for the most part that they're full of people attacking each other and each other's opinions. Is this the norm for Star Trek fans, or have I just stumbled onto bad groups? Well, here's the thing. The answer, the short answer is yes. The long yeah. answer is yes, it's also 2020 and you're on the internet. Yeah. Maybe in like 2007 when the internet was like less terrible, maybe less of that was occurring. Maybe There's, not, though. I think Star Trek is uh, the majority of Star Trek fandom that's going to be a part of a group like specifically seek out a group is yeah. definitely going to be of the hardcore dork nerd ass variety who are just really like angry angry malicious towards each other in general over anything yeah, yeah. and uh i i don't like i hate that type of person because i don't like to deal with them but i also hate them because it makes it so you're uh you're not allowed to dislike anything or else you'll be lumped right. in with them it's a weird it's a weird combination, right? Like, I don't know. I would avoid that stuff, and I would just hang out on our Discord. Because <laughs> yeah, nobody's can, really mean to anybody. Yeah, you can get to our Discord on patreon.com slash mclasspodcast, where for as little as a dollar, you can join our Discord, be part of the group, and meet a bunch of people who won't call you horrible slurs for how you feel about a sci-fi franchise. The worst you're going to get over there is me dropping some Riverdale gifts. <laughs> Hot mean, off the presses, think you Riverdale gifts. the best they're going to yeah, get. That's the best. Yeah. Uh, I've been very surprised by not just the vast array of interpretations and opinions, but by the malice towards each other I've witnessed. I would join your Discord, but I ri- rarely log on to Discord. I think it's time to change that fact. Hmm, interesting. It's so easy. <laughs> also, did the TNG box set I sent to Josh arrive? I forgot yeah, to check I the took tracking. A, yeah, I took a picture of it, and I posted it. I'll, I'll do it again. I still have it. It's on my windowsill next to all my other cool shit. Yeah. It's part of the collection of cool... I'm trying to. I'm like redoing my living room, and I'm trying to like make the living room better. I'm gonna get a plant. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a getting ficus? some. Ca- no, I want to get like something big, kind of like a. I gotta make sure the cats won't die if they eat it, though. That's a that's a journey. Cats die when they eat almost anything. So I know, I know. it's it's. I maybe maybe I'll get a fake plant. I don't want to kill my cats. I love my cats more than plants. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, you don't have to water it. Yeah, which is works for me uh he finishes up the email by saying have a good one chief petty officer brownie of the uss we call them prawns not shrimp that's right prawns 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 am i saying it right? throw some prawns, prawns on the bobby that's what they on say. the bobby that's what they say um thanks for that email uh i would avoid star trek groups on facebook if that's what you're finding i would avoid any group on facebook i'm not even kidding yeah i don't use facebook so don't go on facebook that's my suggestion facebook is like twitter for boomers i'm not into that yeah and twitter's getting pretty bad so i don't even know what's going on on facebook uh, thanks for that email. We've got another email about Star Trek Facebook groups. Uh, what? From Jack Carpenter, Handsome Jack. Oh my God! I just went from six to boner night, <laughs> <laughs> and it's only three thirteen in the afternoon. Damn! Now they're gonna dox us. They know what time we're on. Um, <laughs> they're gonna flood us with emails. It's uh, entitled "Funny Email Title," which I appreciate. That was funny. Hey there, Trek bros. How's it going? Good. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I said good, but it's not good. Everything's it's opposite bad. of good. Wanted to announce that Star Trek's official Facebook page called me a top fan, whatever the hell that means. Cool. I made a singular comment on one of their posts like three weeks ago. Looked back, and my comment was in response to some idiot talking about how he hates SJW stuff, and I simply said, kick rocks, bud. I guess that earns me top fan status. In my heart, go kick it does. a rock, <laughs> kick rocks, bud. 
There was somebody on Twitter who was like giving me a bunch of shit for something, and like Jack came in and he was like, "Hey, go kick rocks." And I, was I love like, that. Fucking got him. <laughs> Last night I tweeted, uh, if you don't like Stardust the movie, uh, you could go suck an egg. And I was really high when I tweeted it. <laughs> and I thought it was the funniest <laughs> shit I ever tweeted. I was like, that's fucking hilarious. It's pretty funny. I saw it and laughed. It's pretty stupid because I was high as shit watching Stardust. And I was like, this movie's great. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you have to be high as shit. I don't know. I've never seen it. <laughs> no, it's great. It's a good movie. Anyways... Top fan Jack here with another neat question. <laughs> neat. What's your favorite Star Trek aesthetic? Slash, which series do you like the overall look of best? While TNG is cool, it's incredibly early 90s feeling with the whole wall-to-wall carpeting thing and the faded yeah. pink meeting room chairs look it's got going on. I feel like TOS is super cool, but I love the alien and gritty look of Deep Space Nine the best, probably. Thanks as always, y'all. Commander Jack Carpenter, senior of the USS Virginia. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I kind of like the Enterprise E bridge, where it's like kind of dark. It just looks, it's for the film, so it's more cinematic looking. Yeah. It, it looks neater. It, it, I, I kind of, I think if I like had to picture myself on the Enterprise D bridge where it's like fucking bright all the time, I would just lose my shit. Just squinting the whole time. All yeah, right, Captain. Yeah. Let me put my sunglasses on. <laughs> Jordy, please let me use your visor just for yeah. a little while. Oh, God, it's way worse. I can see every, every fucking spectrum of light. <laughs> They're all so bright. X-rays. Ah! Uh, it's definitely TOS for me. Like that yeah. retro futurism aesthetic is like my favorite. I love switches that shit. and buttons. And I shit. do. Everything's yeah. like l- yellow lights everywhere and like red red metal paneling on everything. Yep. Yep. So good. I love it. <laughs> I love that there's a handrail that goes all the way around the bridge <laughs> in case you need to pretend you're falling. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. I absolutely love it. And honestly, like, I ragged on Discovery for doing the whole, like, futuristic fucking, like, holograms thing. But they did a sort of modern update of the TOS bridge when the the Enterprise showed up and they finally showed it. It wasn't bad, actually. I thought it was... They mostly made everything out of metal and, like, muted the colors a little bit. But it wasn't... Um, I haven't seen... I've only seen the outside of it. I haven't seen the inside of it. The outside of it has windows everywhere <laughs> there's windows now um <laughs> gotta see space <laughs> how are you gonna see but uh yeah tos is definitely my favorite aesthetic i love almost everything about the aesthetic of tos no matter how goofy it gets i love it yeah i love that their space suits are definitely not beekeeper suits that they just <laughs> made painted silver yeah, you can get those in the game man you can wear that shit i love that uh their phasers like are super non-ergonomic in every way. You have to like press a tiny button to fire it on the front. The rifles it. are goofy as fuck. The, the rifle is like a tr- a giant transistor with a tube on it, and you just hold it's, it. It's silly as shit. It's like wow, yeah, that's a that's a gun, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I do I do love the the. TNG phaser rifles, the small kind of like carbine ones that are like... Uh, I'm, the ones I'm picturing are the ones that have like the vacuum cleaner phaser just attached to the front of a big rifle. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I that's the those, one I like. I, I think find that's those the one. fun. I find those very fun. That's cool. Uh, thanks for the email, Jack. It was, it was nice to have a question we could actually answer. Yes. And not just uh, fuck around until we've run out of time. <laughs> no we love all your emails um (laughs) keep sending them our next email is from s star blanket okay and it is entitled future std coverage all right (laughs) hey fellas lieutenant star blanket here from the uss love child long time first c love your shows First I love I bought Kevin's book and my shipmates have been really enjoying it. Hey great. I didn't get my book yet. Did you buy it? Yeah, hell yeah. I bought like the premium shit. Oh, shit, you need to take up uh, take I got, that up maybe, with Kevin. Is there anyone I can talk to? Do I know anyone who could fix this problem for me? <laughs> I was wondering. 
will you ever cover any episode of New Trek in any of your podcasts? Uh, we did. We well, it was a Patreon exclusive. We did yeah. um, the first three episodes of Discovery. Yeah, and then people didn't want to listen anymore because they, they didn't want to hear depressed. us being sad. <laughs> yeah, we made them sad. And that, looking back, like I, that, we really. We're not the ones to... You don't need to no. hear us hate like, on that. Discovery is not made for us. We don't need to make a whole podcast yeah. like shitting on it. Yeah. Um, I understand the hate level that Michael, Spock's fourth unmentioned family member, Burnham, is a real buzzkill. <laughs> she always looks like she's trying to hide a fart. The grim, yeah. dark, the grim dark tone is also very anti-Trek, and it could stand to take itself less seriously from time to time. That said, the production design is really quite good, and there are some other passable elements too. That's uh, yeah, that's the nicest way you could. That's put a good that. way to put it. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. Uh, the writing is terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, even if you can't bear to compliment them, I definitely listen to an hour and a half of you guys just roasting the hell out of new track. <laughs> you can on our Patreon. It's still on there. Yeah, it's still up. Yeah. Yeah, you do have to pay at least a dollar to get it. I think it's come out for everybody at this point. I think it's been yeah, years. So. Yeah, I think when we watched the first one, we were we were pretty angry. Yes. I remember being it was like, pretty fresh. What the fuck is this? Uh, I particularly enjoyed Rich Master's Picard series. Seriously, how do I send that guy money for the amount of incredible work he did? Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Masters Rich, and uh, he really should have a Patreon or something for all the work he yeah, does. Yeah, he on should. This. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to get your take comparing and contrasting his episodes versus the unfortunate real ones. That might be a I good will, Patreon thing. It would be good. I. I don't want to watch the real Picard. I would rather have Rich's Picard yeah, be the one. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I've said before, there are parts of Picard that I liked, but most of it I did not. I I've read the like synopsis of what happens, and it's yeah baffling that yeah. that's a thing. <laughs> I don't understand why that is a thing, but okay... <laughs> Email concise enough for you, Jeff! With four requested marks. Damn! Hell yeah. Uh, I've read emails that are three times longer than this in this very episode, so you're good. Don't worry. Nice job. Uh, I, like I, I said a, a few episodes ago, I completely rescind my ban on long emails. You guys can send whatever. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> better than hearing your belly ache about it nah it's fine nice um, much love captain's calling me to the bridge for our weekly drum circle and daisy chain bonding session signed <laughs> S star blanket what a what a hippie ass ship damn I need to hang out on that ship yeah they got that good LSD speaking of LSD our next email is from UFO 420 <laughs> And it is entitled, nice. Do Not Be Alarmed. We are UFO 420. <laughs> okay. Greetings, beings of the 0.5 to 35 hertz bands. Before you lies UFO 420, a decentralized intelligence from the dankest realms of the 666th dimension that can only be accessed by meditating on a mountaintop after replacing your blood in entirety with liquid LSD. <laughs> Behold the glory of colors unimaginable as you stare into the ether. <laughs> okay, it's a rainbow cloud, but hear this. Recently, while scanning what we call the Narc Dimension, we received one of your transmissions pondering the origin of the Klingon Double Dick. Uh -huh. Simultaneously, we intook a Shark Week promotion, claiming that what you call sharks, shark emoji, also wield two swords and we could Heavy not pain. help but find a correlation uh-huh it's uh that's it that's the email i must go now my planet needs me hey 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 smoke dmt every day <laughs> ufo 420 yeah sharks have two dicks yeah klingon's got two wieners sharks got there's two things wieners. that have two dicks yeah but josh why did klingons do i do. definitely i do <laughs> <laughs> remember that Reddit post where that guy was like, "Here's my two dicks." Yeah, I do remember that post. Everyone remembers that. I think that's was, that's a hallmark of our lives now. It's yeah, everyone's going to be like, "Remember the Reddit guy with two dicks?" Everyone will say yes. I certainly do. 
Remember how he posted way too many photos for proof? Like, check this out. Ah. He wanted to know, you to know it wasn't fake. Yeah. And there's still people who think it's fake. It's definitely real. I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of scientific possibility. It could totally happen. Why couldn't it, right? Um, yes, sharks do have two dicks. Thank you for the email. Uh, <laughs> the decentralized intelligence of the realm of the 666 dimension. I would like to hear more about the LSD dimension. Yeah, me too. Our next email is from uh, David. David? And it is entitled, Residue Transmission. Are the lights on upstairs? What? Any voice will do. <laughs> well then, why not this one? <laughs> well, Clint Myers, call me a Vulcan. How about that one? Is that one good? That's a good one. Well, clip my ears and call me a Vulcan. It's them <laughs> there trick buds come round for another chat. Oh, it's Trek boys now? Hmm. Well, I was just I'm telling my pal, Buddy Companionson, <laughs> that he should go ahead and fork up the $2 it takes to, wait, $1? But it's always been $2. Nope. Now I suppose you'll be telling me that there's no Dascord with very serious and never facetious Trek buds that nearly never visit. <laughs> oh, it's Discord? And everyone's hilarious? And they're there all the time? And it's just $1 to join? Damn. Guess I better tell Buddy after this. What a sweet commercial. Boy, I feel that wolf fella experiencing the quantum Mandela effect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Which, as we all know, was named after Turbo Mandela. (laughs) (laughs) Who is known to have made Whoopi... With the Guardian of Forever in 2169. (laughs) But is sometimes remembered to have boinked the Guardian as recently as 2269. Damn. (laughs) What was your most jarring encounter with mistaken memory? Oh, man. I I don't think I've ever had, like, a Mandela effect because... You didn't even have the Berenstain Bears? No, because... Uh, no, here's why. Because the Mandela effect isn't real. No. It's it's bullshit, right? Like No, well, that's why we're talking about mistaken memory. Right, right, right. I like, definitely mistakenly remembered them as Berenstain Bears. No, we all called it that, but it doesn't... Yeah. It's because we, as children, made our own little microculture. Because mm-hmm. Baron... Like you said, I think, before, Jeff, like... Berenstein, we know Frankenstein, we know, you know, like, like we know that Berenstein yeah, we know, is different. We know, like, Stain, I don't know anybody named Stain. I don't either. Uh, Dave Berenstein. Stain. Yeah, Berenstein, I don't know what that name is. But Berenstein. But, yeah, there are a lot so of people. So we just, we just called it that, and our teachers just, like, allowed us to be dumb, because yeah. we're dumb kids. That's and all that happened. That I think that, and also, I remembered... The big one that everybody was big on about it besides the Berenstein Bears thing was that um, Sinbad was in a genie movie. Kazam, right? Yeah. And it was called Shazam. Shazam. Because I remember specifically making jokes that I can't believe there were two genie movies in the 90s like this. Okay, I do remember a Sinbad movie with a genie. Nah. But that doesn't exist. Did not exist. We're all just doubling the movie Kazam with Shaq for some reason. What did Sinbad do? Did he just wear, like, genie outfit or something? Like, why did Uh, we think Sinbad was in it? I don't know. It's like, Sinbad is, like, such a... Like, nobody remembers Sinbad until he's brought up. So it's not like <laughs> it was manufactured now. That Sorry, this Sinbad. I know you're listening. Sinbad's a big Star Trek fan. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that would be one. I, I mean, I could have sworn there you was You know a what? Holy shit, I just cracked this case. Junior okay. Sleuths. I just cracked it. Uh, there was a skit on all that about yes. a character named Ishbu. Who was from some crazy foreign country and he dressed like a genie. 
Yeah. And Sinbad played his dad, Simbu. That's what it, that's what it is. And he wore the same outfit. That's what it is. We're all remembering that. I am a genius. Oh, fuck, man. Uh, Shit. You're welcome, everybody. I cracked the case. Damn. Uh, he finishes out the email. I thought for the longest time that the Vulcans that came to play baseball on Deep Dish 9 were the ones with two peckers and not the Klingons. <laughs> Suppose I've been confusing my double headers. <laughs> what a setup. Anyhow, y'all take care. David F., as always, Chief Archivist on the USS Alexandria. <laughs> P.S. Black Lives Matter, wear a mask. Live, laugh, eat, pray, love, totally real giant wiener Babilum. <laughs> I didn't know Babilum had that TRGW. Oh, yeah, no, it's TRG. He's got TRGW. It's totally real. It's totally, totally real. real. Our, uh, our next to last. I'm team. just glad that. Uh, <laughs> Bing Crosby could do an ad for us. Yeah, thank you, Bing Crosby, for crawling out of the grave to be able to do an ad for us. Bing Crosby saying Black Lives Matter is hilarious to me. Yeah, he for sure did not feel he that He did way. not feel that <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Our next email is from uh, Captain Desrath. And it, it began, it's entitled T-Rex Buoys. Okay. Hey there, T-Rex Boys! No incredible games this week. Instead, I wanted to let y'all know something I ought to have mentioned in my previous email. Given the renewed focus on the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement, I've updated www.thereicontributed.com to point to Black Lives Matter's Act Blue account. Cool. For anyone familiar with uh, Act Blue or the conspiracy theory regarding its relationship with BLM, the money you send to BLM via Act Blue does not go to the Democratic Party or a specific Democratic Democratic candidate. It goes to Black Lives Matter charities. Okay. That's all for now. Captain Desrath of the USS Lollipop G. There you go. Do that. Donate. Yeah, head over to thereicontributed.com where you can uh, be part of the movement towards the Star Trek future we all want. Yes. You see Star Trek and all those black people on it who are treated equally? We want that. So please become a part of the Black Lives Matter movement. And our last email... Desrath. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Desrath. That's very cool of you. Yeah. Our next email of the night... Our last email of the night... At 3.32 p.m. in the afternoon. (laughs) Is from Rich Masters. Oh, no. And it's an episode of Of something. Of what? I didn't know about this till we started today, so. It begins, it's entitled, It's That Time Again, dot, dot, dot. Oh, my God. TBs. Thought with it being a little while since my last story, I needed to stop slacking off. You got my Star Trek gears rotating? Yeah, my Star Trek... <laughs> I'm already bored, Rich. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just slept poorly. I'm sorry. No, we don't We don't sleep. None of, no. We don't sleep anymore. I'll, me and you at three in the morning will tweet at each other. Yeah, and be like, we're, what's going uh, we're on? both up every morning around yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, he just dives right into it. A book-holding Picard enters 10 forward aboard the Enterprise E. Oh, shit. Then takes a seat in the window, opens to his page, and stares out into the black. When approached by a waiter, he dismisses him without making an order. Guinan rounds the bar to approach Picard and comments that it must be a good book. He turns to her, annoyed by the disturbance. (laughs) The Art of First Contact and Diplomacy by Lena Moratska. Sounds good, says Guinan. Picard explains that it's the modern template for all diplomacy studies at the Academy now. Guinan Plus com- there's booby pics in it. Oh man, too many, too many titty pics. <laughs> Guinan comments that it's not often they see Picard down in 10 forward. Picard says his ready room felt all of a sudden too confined. That he just wanted some quiet, alone time away from his desk. Uh-oh. My people have a saying. Those who seek places where the tides are strongest tend to have the strongest urge to swim. 
Same goes for people who frequent the most social places, Guinan muses. <laughs> Picard raises an eyebrow and gestures to the chair opposite. Is that an Elarian saying or a Guinan saying? With a smile, Guinan <laughs> sits. I am one of my people, aren't I? That's clever. <laughs> Picard mulls something over in silence, then speaks. I've been told that an old friend of mine has just died. Captain Lena Moratska, commanding officer of the Nielsen. Guinan consoles him and asks how she died, leading Picard to explain that she was killed in a hostage situation on Pendatha Prime. What? A civil war have bro has broken out there with another species that the Pendathi were asked to settle on their planet called the, Mi the Milnar. Captain Moratsko went to broker a treaty between the two people, only for all the Starfleet officers to be killed in an explosion. Fuck. After leaving him in silence for a moment, Guinan asks why is it that Picard feels guilty? With a huff of defeat, he has been counseled without realizing it. Picard admits, because I was the one who encouraged the Pendathi to accept the Milnar in the first place. Oh, man. Title, The Better Part of Valor. Shit. Picard enters the ready room, late for his own briefing. Will hasn't taken his chair yet, waiting to ask the captain if he's okay, to which Picard smiles and pats his XO on the shoulder. I will be number one. Thank you. Starting the briefing, Picard explains the situation. After the Enterprise was able to settle the Milnar, who were made refugees after the Romulans encroached on their territories, on Pendatha Prime, things were seemingly peaceful for six months. Then diplomatic relations fell apart, and for the last two months, things have been deteriorating into a civil war seemingly of the Federation's making. Troy comments that this couldn't have come at a worse time with the Klingons withdrawing from the Kittimer Accords. Oh no. Jordy agrees, pointing out Pendatha's proximity to the Klingon border and the neighboring Annex systems. So this is taking place Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Time. Uh, Picard asks Riker to take bodacious Bev, Jordy, and Data to determine any aid they can give to the Pendathi, but also to investigate how the Milnar have become so dominant so quickly when mere months ago they were possessionless refugees. Somebody gave him some shit. Fucking bodacious Bev. Bev, I love it. <laughs> I need a like a pinup poster. Just her in her outfit. Just in her no, regular uniform. Yeah, just uniform. Yeah, just and it says bodacious Bev in like nineties font. Dude, I would. Love Maybe that. she's on like a Lamborghini or something. <laughs> she's just driving it normally. <laughs> in the meantime, Picard will host delegations from both parties on the Enterprise and try to mend the bridges between these two formerly reasonable peoples. Data adds that scans of the planet will appear difficult, as there is an unusual form of radiation in the atmosphere and emanating from the surface. Hmm. Surprised, Picard asks if this was originally listed on the planetary survey done before allying with the Pendethi. No such phenomenon was reported, Data explains. What? Riker's away team beams down to be greeted by the security minister of the Pendethi. He is a jovial, welcoming man and is thankful that their Federation allies are here. The capital city's a mess, with terrorist cells attacking on the daily basis. Each attack more deadly and damaging than the last. 109-11s. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Data is perplexed. The Milnar possessed inferior weaponry and technology to the Pendathi, and the shields and infrastructure of Pendatha Prime should have been easily able to withstand their attacks. The security minister suspects the Melnar are getting outside help, and admits that he's worried that their alliance with the Federation has actually weakened their society, rather than strengthen it as promised. Riker glumly tells the security minister that although it appears that might be true temporarily, the Enterprise is here to put things right. Will sends Data back to the ship and tells him to find a way to scan for anything unusual that might pinpoint how the Milnar are circumnavigating the defenses, while Geordi investigates the surface. Yeah. Let's split up, gang. Yeah. <laughs> On the Enterprise, Troy and Picard host the matriarch of the Pendathi and the civilian leader of the Milnar. The meeting is a tense one, with both parties blaming the other for the deaths of the Starfleet Ar Arbitration Team. The entire negotiating team, including the Pendathi and Milnar, were killed in an accidental explosion of Milnar weaponry. Weaponry that is worn for ceremonial defense and wear rather than attacking, like a sheik's kerpen blade. Well, how did that... 
the Milnar admit taking hostages, but only after the Pendathi threatened to destroy their settlements if they did not comply with directives they found countermanded their cultural beliefs. The Pendathi stormed the building and destroyed one of the weapons, which overloaded, killing everyone in the room. When Picard asks what the directives the Pendathi issued were, they state that they simply want to move freely through Milnar territory. When Picard asks why the Milnar did not disclose their cultural beliefs would be incompatible with the Pendathi at the time, the civilian leader admits they were too desperate to potentially jeopardize any settlement agreement. Well, now here we are, nerds. Yeah, way to go, dorks. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Fucking got him. This alien species we just met. Idiots. Crisis over. <laughs> the, uh, the Milnar insists that since the Pendathi started imposing inse- restrictions on their people about what practices they could follow, the two species have been at constant odds about everything. To the point where the Milnar cannot see this as a home of their own where they are entitled to privacy. The matriarch of the Pendathi counters that this is preposterous. They took the Milnar in, but they've become like a rude house guest who refuses to obey the implicit rules of the house. Plus, they've crapped up the toilet and overflowed it. They've upper decked it. Why would they do that? It's their own it's toilet. It's part of their cultural beliefs. <laughs> Picard makes the point that both parties are right. The Milnar deserve independence, but the Pendathi deserve to have their sovereign rules respected. He asks if there's any way the two can ignore the actions of the other and remain separate until some agreement can be found. The Pendathi declare that if the Milnar would not allow access to their borders, they should leave the planet. The Milnar argue that they cannot leave. They have staked a claim to the lands that have been promised. Things seem at loggerheads, which is a word I don't know. But yeah, the Milnar be some British thing. But the Milnar like, seem to be secretive and unreasonable. Yeah, something's going on. Someone's giving them guns or something. Hopefully not the Federation. Oh, it's an admiral, I bet. It's Nacheyev. It's Pacheyev. Oh, fucking, she's back! She's badder it's, than ever. It's in the science lab, Data's in touch with Geordi down on the surface. The phenomenon seems to be localized in two spots in orbit, the radiation, yeah. and a remote part of the Pendathi main settlement. Picard orders the team to split. Riker and Geordi will investigate the Milnar lands, and Data and Big Bad Bev should find oh. out what the localized energy signature is inside the Pendathi borders. While Picard and Troy keep the dignitaries busy. Riker and Geordi arrive in Milnar territory, and though they are covert, covert, the Milnar are numerous and immediately catch them. The men are taken to the civilian council. Picard Shit. and Troy talk again with the elders, and this time focus on their similarities, their respect for life, their hatred of the Romulans, their enlightened cultures. But when they start talking about their religions, they again devolve into bickering, when the Pendathi instantly resorting to the if-you-don't-like-the-rules-leave approach. After they storm out, Picard asks Troy who she thinks is the aggressor here, but all she can tell is that both sides are clearly hiding their intentions. Picard confides, going on. Picard confides that he hopes the away teams find something. Just make a big golden butt and worship that. Solved. We should do that here. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to do. I'm like, but Jesus. It's Beezus. Oh my god, it all comes back <laughs> uh, around. Uh-oh. Data and Bev locate the source of the abnormal phenomena. And on a closer inspection, it seems to be a cloaking device. Yes. When it's, it's disrupted, a facility is revealed. A facility that is tapping the energy of the Pendathi shields and defenses, making them easier to penetrate. But why would the Milnar build this facility in Pendathi lands where it could be easily detected? In the Milnar territories, Riker and Geordi are taken to a sacred lake where the Milnar young have already been hatched. One Ew. of the Milnar explains that this is why they're so secretive. They couldn't allow the Pendathi to, poten- to potentially hurt their children. It also explains why they can't leave. Milnar Young needs seven seasons to mature enough that they can leave waters and become truly amphibious. Goddamn toad people. <laughs> we learned what we just learned what Josh is racist against. Toad people. <laughs> Fucking hate slippy frogs so much. <laughs> it's all Slippy's fault. It really is. Oh, help me! Oh, I'm fucking useless. Help me, Fox, I got a bogey. Oh, God, I'm... Why, how did I even get this job? I'm terrible. <laughs> Nepotism. He was best friends with Fox in the flight school. That's right. Uh, returning to the Enterprise, Riker and Data request to talk to Picard privately. 
With all parties together, Riker reveals the truth about the Milnar hatchery, and the matriarch instantly latches onto it, proclaiming the Milnar are abusing their hospitality and trying to take over, that they've shown they were building power by the secret shield-dampening weaponry. Not so, Data says. With your permission, Captain. Picard nods, and Data sends a feedback charge through the cloaking signal to decloaking the Negvar, Galron's flagship in what orbit. What is Galron doing? What the fuck? Fucking, I, God, I love him, but I hate him, you know? It's true, it's true. He's a bad boy. We all love bad boys, but we hate <laughs> God, what they just, do to us. They I break our hearts. Just kiss me. <laughs> kiss me and open your eyes real wide. Open your mouth and eyes. Picard instructs the matriarch to invite Galron aboard. Galron is frosty and says that his ship was simply passing and wanted to see what the treacherous Federation was doing. Picard tells him to drop the charade, that they know what the the Pendathi called out to the Klingons to help them with their Milnar problem. Mm -hmm. The matriarch admits the political opinion had changed about the Milnar, but that public sentiment was with the resettlement. They asked the Klingons to help sabotage their own systems so the Milnar could seem the aggressor to the population, and the Klingons jumped at the chance, eager to give the Federation a bloody nose. But now that that no longer matters, the Klingons are here and will help wipe the Milnar away. Welp! (laughs) Galron admits any ally of the Federation is an enemy of the Empire. Fuck. Destruction to you and your house. (laughs) Literally your house. Picard calls for a recess and then asks the Milnar representative to stay. When they return, the Milnar formally requests the Klingon Empire's protection. The matriarch protests, but Gowron says that he has no time for petty squabbling. And under Klingon care, he would force the two species to get along under fear of annihilation. (laughs) The Pendathi matriarch is appalled. She was promised protection by the Klingons. The price of our protection is compliance. (laughs) The Milnar, knowing that their safety and borders will be respected as long as they pledge fealty to the Klingons, agree. And the Pendathi have no choice about the matter, underestimating their new allies. The Enterprise concedes the territory to the Klingons and warps away, knowing that... With both parties formally under their protection, they'll be safe from each other and bloodshed will be avoided. The best possible solution in an unwinnable scenario. Damn, that's like a Picard Kobayashi Maru. It is. Uh, Guinan visits Picard's quarters, where Picard is staring at the book by Captain Moratska. She asks how things went. Jean-Luc tells her he can't divulge information about the mission, to which Guinan responds that it wasn't what she meant. Picard admits that there was nothing anyone could have done to prevent the bloodshed and the loss of his friend. Still stings, though. Knowing you had some part in it? Guinan asks. Picard nods. Moratska quotes Ambassador Spock in the book as having said, The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Guinan stands and goes to leave, picking up the book and handing it to her friend. Seems like you found... Seems like you found to serve the needs of the both found out how to serve the yeah. needs of the bo- of, of both of both picard bids her good night then places the book back on his shelf the end ah oh, that was great oh man so good we're back we're back <laughs> we're back baby <laughs> thank so you rich good, dude yeah i can't believe we're doing season nine of tng uh, i'm ready Fucking i'm ready awesome I want oh. this to be the show. Make this the show? Me too. He Please. finishes out the email by saying, Ah, that felt good. I've missed this a bit, I don't mind admitting. P.S. I thought you'd appreciate these two below-attached accounts someone posted on Twitter about our old frenemy, Brandon Braga. Oh, what boy. A, what an absolute bag of dicks that man is. Enjoy. <laughs> Signed, Rich. Chief Blarg 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 aboard the Breen ship Blarg Blarg Blarg. <laughs> Uh, gotta be confusing. You're on a brain ship, man. It's cold as shit. Uh, here's here's the account. At the start, Voyager's publicity focused on the novelty of a female captain, but as the ratings dwindled, the producers grew concerned that this wasn't enough to hold viewers' interests. And perhaps mm-hmm. it was putting people off. 
Interviewed by the Television Academy in 2006, executive producer Rick Berman explained why Seven was added to the show. Because she got the boobies. Exactly. We wanted Janeway to be a Starfleet captain, but we also wanted her to be feminine, and those two things don't go hand in hand. If you look at female military officers who make it to the rank of admiral, they tend to not be babes. We cast a woman in her 40s, but we still wanted a feminine woman. Oh, God damn, Rick Berman. That's rough. You genuine piece of shit. That's really uh, putting your foot in your mouth, man. For some of the actors, this toxic environment began before they'd even started shooting, as was the case for Terry Farrell, who played Jadzia Dax in Deep Space Nine. Interviewed for the book The 50-Year Mission, Pharrell revealed that she found her costuming experience with Rick Berman to be very uncomfortable. Mm. He'd comment on your bra size not being voluptuous. He would say, well, you're just flat. Look at Christine over there. She has perfect breasts. (laughs) With, With Berman dissatisfied with Pharrell's body, the costume department was called upon to fix the issue. I had to have fittings for Dax to have larger breasts, and then I had to go into Berman's office. Ugh, that sucks, uh, man. Both of those uh, are about Rick Berman and not Brandon Braga. <laughs> 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 yeah, Rick Berman was a real piece of shit, for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't realize he was quite that big of a piece of shit. But. Now hear me out, Rick. They're on a vagina ship. (laughs) Hear me out. Nagilam comes back, but it's a lady Nagilam, and they have to fly into her V'ger orifice. I'm I'm not seeing it there, Brannon. Could she have, like, bigger tits? (laughs) Could the Nagilam be, be like, a double D? More like a triple F, Nagilam. God. Yeah, that's Hollywood. I mean, that's not me brushing it away, no. but that's that's, that's uh, how shitty it is. Yeah, that's how shitty it is. Yeah, that's yeah. Yep. Uh, it was fucking a uh, spoonful of sugar. We got the season nine first episode to make the medicine go down of learning about yeah, Rick Berman. Yeah, Rick Berman. I already More knew like he was a piece Dick's of shit, but Berman. What? What's that? What's that? Berman. Oh man. Oh no. What is that red letter media quote? What is it about Rick's anyway? Yeah, right. Yeah, Rick's <laughs> a bad name. That's a bad name. That's why he goes by Rich, not Rick. Oh yeah, Rich Masters. That it's just fucking sounds like he's royalty. He could be Dick Masters though. Yeah, he could be. That could be his real name. Dick <laughs> Masters. It could be. It sounds like a Batman guy. Does it? (laughs) Sounds like I wouldn't want to fight that guy. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't think we'd be fighting, you know. True, true. He is the masters of your dick. Uh oh, I'm stuck inside of this sex position. Guess I better figure out a way out. (laughs) Oh damn, it's like half a Pornhub is in this podcast. (laughs) Um, thanks for that email though, Rich. Of course, like. Pitching or ditching your things is completely superfluous. Yeah, we're not of course, gonna. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, of course we pitch. we rate it a ten out of ten. We love it. Yeah, a plus. Our show is good again now because it's Yay! got you right. Yay! <laughs> uh, I think that's a good enough time to call it a day. We read all your emails. We got our great new season nine episode of TNG. We season shit on nine. Rick Berman. Or season fine. Ooh ooh ooh. Uh. Rich, could you maybe make some more boobies in your episodes, please? <laughs> could some of them maybe trip and their boobies fall out? Like, maybe one of them's vagina's huge. I don't know. Science. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to our podcast. I'd like to take another moment to tell people to head over to thereicontributed.com or blacklivesmatter.card.co. That's card with two R's. Head on over there. Become a part of the movement for true equality for black people and for people of color of all shapes and sizes and colors, I guess. Uh, just become a part of the movement. We yeah. every, every voice helps uplift, and every person who takes that 
first step is another step towards the Star Trek future, the utopia of the Federation that we all want to live in. Agreed. And if you got money left over after that, you can head to <laughs> patreon.com slash mclasspodcast, where for as little as a dollar, you can help keep our show on the air, keep us fed and housed, because we, yeah. we will die without it. When our when the internet was fucking up and we couldn't talk to each other, I was like, it sucks that we can't talk to each other or do the podcast, but fuck, man. If we can't do the podcast, I'm going to starve to death. Yeah, no. <laughs> we figured out the the problem, I think. I think sort of. I think that's what it was. I mean, it was fine for me. I don't know. Was it fine for you? Was it good for you, <laughs> It was good for me, baby. Don't worry. All right, good, good. I good. just got to be... I have to be sitting... Right next to the Wi-Fi router, apparently. There might be is, some interference or something. Yeah, this is going to make recording this podcast twice as much of a hassle, but it's worth yes. it, because it's a great podcast, and I love yes. it. <laughs> and I'd like to thank everybody for tuning into this great podcast that I love. Thank and you, guys. Special thank you to everybody who wrote in an email. You're keeping this show going. Without you, there is no M-Class email. That's right. Uh, thank you, Josh, for being a friend. Travel down that road and back again. Hell yeah! I'm glad that we we are friends and we talk about Star Trek. Love it. I'm glad that people give a shit enough to listen. Me too. Thanks, uh, guys, again. Thank you, guys, again, and we'll be back in another week's time with another bit of Star Trek M Class goodness. Bye bye. Bye.